everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn about different topics, people, organizations, and events. My name is Caleb Mason, and this is my co-host, Todd Hixenbaugh. Today, we're going to be learning about starting a business. So today, we're talking with the founder of Invisible Insights Incorporated. It's, his name's Kevin West, and Kevin... Um, with his company, basically, they go in and um, they consult with different businesses, organizations, um, whoever whoever wants to, to to talk with him, and, and he goes in and talks about just things that, in ways that they can improve. Uh, Kevin talks a lot about invisible insights in our podcast today, and and just what that is, and, and and how it all works. And so we wanted to sit down and talk with him about what starting a business can look like. And he's got this podcast is full of just a lot of little nuggets that that um, Kevin likes to throw out there. And and Kevin, what is somebody who Caleb and I ha, have worked with in the past on different things, and he's been a real resource for us. And so we're really excited to be able to sit down and have this conversation with him. And be able to sh- for him to be able to share um, with it with everybody else with our listeners um, with some of the insights and things that he brings to the table. Well, today we have Kevin West on the podcast, and I've known Kevin for nearly twenty years. He's been a huge mentor in my life, and uh, we've worked together on a couple of consulting projects. And uh, he's been uh, a direct report, or sorry, I've been a direct report, I guess. For him, and uh, Kevin is leading the Invisible Insights organization. Kevin, do you want to tell us a little bit about Invisible Insights? Sure. Uh, you know, Invisible Insights is uh, is my company. Um, I do coaching and consulting, do uh, executive coaching, um, a lot of organizational development, you know, things like that. Um, it's kind of funny, things like that. If someone asks me, what do I do? It's really hard to say. I, I think what I always say is I believe everybody needs a coach in life. And uh, you need people that, you know, want to challenge you, you know, to have a conversation or to do something, you know, so you can ultimately become, you know, what you want to become. And so in a lot of ways, I play that role, you know, whether organizationally or individually. Um, but uh, Invisibles come from this, this uh, study of, you know, success. I, years ago, I, I started, you know, kind of seeing some things that looked like to me that no one else was seeing. There were people who were successful, organizations that were successful, and I would study them, and I would begin to start to realize that there were things that were below the surface, things you didn't normally see, you know, in front. And I thought, well, you know what? If we could extract these, are these things transferable? You know, is there something that's learned that's learned in this that can be transferred? And so um, as I started looking at the principles, uh, started kind of pulling them out and started testing them, I started to realize that as I talked to other people who were successful or other, saw other organizations that were successful, they existed there as well. So I started coining this phrase invisible. So that's an invisible. Um, and so then there goes, you know, I started reading history differently. I started reading the Bible differently. I started reading things that and try to find where these, these things live. And kind of like searching for Pokemon, right? You know? the big Pokemon app, right? It's out there, you know, you're, it's like, it's like this whole big search, you know, what do they call that? Geo tracking or something? Pokemon like go. What's it called? Pokemon go. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what, it's like geo. What's that? I geo forget stuff? what it stands for. There's uh, some kind of geo thing where you yeah. geocaching. That's what it's Yes. Called. Yes. It's kind of like that. In a way it's like that with the visuals, you know, you start, you watch television <clears throat> shows or you see things that are going on and you start seeing that you start to see how people write them into movies you know, how they, you know, it's always part of the backstory. 
and a big part of the foreshadowing that takes place that helps you understand why this person is doing these extraordinary things. So I just, I've always been a student of it and that's kind of what I do. Now I kind of take what I've learned and if I go into an organization or I coach an individual, uh, I just go in there and I just, you know, say, hey, you know what, I think maybe this might be something that could help you. It might be a missing structure, maybe a missing process. It could be uh, a way of thinking that just needs this underdeveloped that needs to be developed a little bit more or encouraged. Um, in some cases, it may be, what do we need to you know, reduce? You know, what do we need to pull back on? Or what do we need to make peace with? So in all those things, it's just there's dynamics in it, and the human dynamic is the biggest one. And when you do that, it just sorts out. And pretty soon, things start coming together, levels of confidence goes up, and then the leader starts to emerge. You start to see the leader being comfortable in his own skin and finding their voice. And when a leader finds his voice, they're able to get in front of people. And clarity finds leadership. And when you bring clarity, you're in charge. And people tend to follow. They like clarity in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I do. I don't know how to, it's that whole running around the bases thing kind of thing. And, but, I mean, I'd, in a sense, that's kind of what I do for organizations and leaders. That you really kind of point out what's invisible to people and make it visible. Yeah, and I don't make, like, a big deal about it. I don't like, this is an invisible. I don't, like, sell it like that. You know, a lot of it is just common sense because common sense is not always common practice. Mm-hmm. So when you get, you know, and I always tell them, you know, it, look, it may, it may, I hate for people to feel like, you know, that they, they're dumb because no one is dumb. There's no, there's nothing like that. But sometimes we just act dumb. We don't, we do things we think are right in our own minds, but without that other set of eyes saying, Hey dude, you know, what are you thinking? You know, why are you doing this? And you know, it's like, he's like, there was this guy, give you an example. Guy wanted to punish his people for gossiping. And I said, what are they gossiping about? And he says, well, there's this guy coming that's coming to late, late to work. And they're all talking behind his back. And I said, is it possible the reason they're talking behind his back is because you're doing nothing about the guy coming late to work every day? And he looked at me and he goes, I never thought about it like that. So here he's going to write all these people up, but not deal with the reason why they were doing it to begin with. And so I think so often in life we experience those kind of things. And sometimes just being a second, another set of eyes for somebody just does that. You just kind of step in and kind of say <laughs> the obvious things that make people mad. <laughs> but at the end, it gets that starts to get a result. And what's cool about it, is when they start to see that, they start to see it in other areas. And that's where I tell people I can teach you to see. You know, it just is a matter of making sure that you understand the principle behind what this is. If this is obvious to you, then what's next? You know, what are the other things that you're ignoring that you may be trying to fix, you know, that might be her fault to begin with? And that's kind of what I do. So, Kevin, you really started this about four years ago. Mm-hmm. So... We're talking about this podcast, like starting an organization. And the first thing we want to ask you about is like, what are some of the challenges you went through or even still gone through in starting a business? Well, I think in any business, when you go to start it, you you know, fear tends to be the biggest thing. You know, fear gets really loud when you want to do something that matters. Right. And so when, whenever you're kind of like wanting to make the leap, when you have this thing, this burden, you know, whatever it is, it's driving you to do this. 
think that that there's a uh, how to say it there's a there's an intensity in which you go into this with. Neither you gotta go into it with this this optimism that all things are going to work out and it's all going to be great, or a sense of fear and, and dread as you kind of take one step at a time and kind of do it. I don't think there's any one way that's better than another. I think a lot of it is just doing it. It's uh, what I've learned is it's very much, it's very simple. It's when you take the step somewhere along the way, you get your footing and you could, you're enabled to give, do another step. And, um, and story after story of successful people have done just that. You know, we tend to think they're overnight success because they go on Oprah. But when you study them, they've been doing that very thing for over 20 years. Just now we're paying attention to it because it happens to be, you know, something cool or, it catches on with culture. It's relevant for some reason. And that's kind of, you know, however human discovers it or whatever, it just works that way. So it's really about the small things and really, you know, understanding that I have this passion to do whatever this is. And, and passion really does mean you're going to go through the pain to do it because it is a pain. Business is hard. Businesses fail on average, you know, anywhere between 85, 87%. So, you know, score isn't really good you know, for that one. And, uh, and yet, you know, a lot of it, um, you know, I think it makes it we're a, comp- we're a nation of companies and businesses with, you know, we're a democracy that loves free enterprise. And so there are people who are just serial business starters and they start them and they fail and they start and they fail until they catch one that's right. And when you study guys who are very successful, you would see high levels of failure, which is, incredibly scary because when you're starting, when you're going, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail. But I think that's the, the key. You just Some of it's just doing it and just mm-hmm. taking a step. Yeah, and we, like you and I, we've talked about that mm-hmm. a lot. I'm just getting over that fear of failure. Well, think about it for a second. You know, when whenever you, it, it, whatever amount of time you waste trying to be perfect, you totally mess yourself over. Because they're, they're, you're just be okay with messing up. And if you're just okay with men, look, these podcasts are going to be the best podcasts at the beginning, but they're going to be great podcasts later. So you'll have way better people than me on, right, that later on down the road. But it's just a matter of deciding that you're going to have to go through to go through in order to get where you want to go. And that's what that's what all this is about. So starting is a big thing to me, but moving forward, taking steps every day, one step forward to do it. And so that's what it takes. And you know what? I hope you fail. And I hope you fail really fast. Because if you don't, that means you're probably not trying hard enough at, at the goals that you've set for yourself or you set your goals way too low. You okay? You all right? Yeah, we're okay. I'm not yelling at you or anything like that. I'm just you guys are looking at me, these guys are looking at me like, are you yelling at us? <laughs> Their eyes are like, I'm not yelling at you. It's cool. I just wanted to kind of put that out there starting for anyone starting mm-hmm. a business you just have to go out there and be committed to fail and if you're committed to fail and you're daring big things it's going to come around you're just going to you know without being you can't be an idiot you know you want to be stupid but you're definitely going to try your best and you know it's, it's not always going to work out yeah it's that idea that i mean as cliche as it sounds failure is only final whenever you quit yes yeah it is cliche you know what's funny i'm learning this you know, anything that's cliche needs to be investigated deeper. You know, it's it's like, you know, when we say cliche things, because um, so many, I've started getting that all the time. You know, you're just saying a bunch of cliche things. That's cliche. That's cliche. Great. 
let's look at the principle behind it. You know, it's cliche. So there's this thing called the Aristotle principle, right? The Aristotle principle is basically taking something down to its basic. So this is, you know, uh, the football coach who holds up the ball and like, this is a ball, right? John, John Wooden's famous for this because John Wooden, when Lou Alcindor came to uh, play for him at UCLA, um, John Wooden asked him to show him how to tie his shoes. And Lou Alcindor tied his shoes, and then he said, <clears throat> he said, no, 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 you're tying your shoes wrong. From now on, I want you to tie your shoes like this. Because if you tie your shoes the way you want to, you're going to get blisters. And if you have blisters, you won't run right. And if you won't run right, your shot will be short, and you'll miss shots. And if you miss shots, you won't score. And if you won't score, we won't win. If we won't win, we can't win championships. So you have to tie your shoes right. So, yes, it's cliche. But if you run to it, there's a principle there. And you have to make sure that you run to it and get the principle. So, yeah, failure, run to it. It may sound, you know, quit, don't quit. That's the part of saying keep moving forward, whatever it is. Because you study successful people, they have all failed. So fear is one challenge that you have whenever starting something like, what would be another challenge that you say you faced while starting your business? Well, most of the challenges that fear touches <clears throat> tend to be like excuses. I don't have resources. It's, everything's got to be perfect before I start. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these things. We, you know, I need, you, you know, we have some really nice equipment to do podcasts. You really don't need any of this to do a podcast. It's nice that you have it. It's wonderful that you have it, but you don't have to have it. You know what I mean? It's, but we can find a million excuses why we can't. And they're usually attached to some kind of fear. So it, it does kind of break down to that invisible, you know, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, sometimes we don't have a, a, like a minimum viable product. You know, having a minimum viable product means I have something that's on the minimum level, this beginner level that I can sell. So, like, when I was a kid, I used to go and take fruit off of the trees of my neighbor's. Right. And I would pick it and I would eat as much as I could, but then I would put it in a basket and I would knock on their door and I would try to sell it to them. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, I had a minimum viable product, right. (laughs) You know, and you know what? They would smirk at me, right. They would smirk at me, but then, you know, they would, they would just, you know, give, give me money. Or I was a kid, I would um, take the, I would take all the bread and all the bologna in our kitchen and our refrigerator. And I would make sandwiches, and at the end of our street was Lazy Boy Chair Company's assembly plant. So I would, like, take a wagon down with sandwiches and Town Club Pop, which is this old pop back in the day. It came in glass bottles and came in a case kind of thing, like a shopping club kind of thing. And took that down there, and I would sell sandwiches to the guys at lunchtime. Well, I would get home, and my mom would be in the fridge going, who ate all the bologna? Who ate all? And I would blame it on my older brother. I would say, yeah, my brother, that's the old hippies. They all come over and eat all the time because they're hungry. I didn't know why they were hungry all the time, but that's a whole other miserable. But it was the 60s, okay? So, um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, as you, know, you kind of go out there, you, you have to be ambitious and you have to kind of push through some things because there's a million reasons why you can't. But why, when you look around, everybody decided to do something and they stuck with it and there's just amazing stories all over the place from the smallest of businesses to the biggest so really it comes down to fear fear is kind of the invisible behind 
why we don't start businesses, (laughs) you know, or why we don't do something because it's not about businesses either. It could be anything. It could be starting a nonprofit. It could be, you know, making a difference in the world. You know, there's a lot of things. Too much silence goes on because we don't really take the the step out there to to say what needs to be said. And and I think in many cases, you know, fear kind of sits behind it. So, Kevin, what have you done personally, like, to overcome this fear? Like, to just overcome fear in general. I know it, I know part of it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. But, like, what else have you done? I think the biggest thing that, that I have done that's helped me to do it is, is when you run to it, there's nothing behind it. Whenever, whenever fear is, is big, whenever I'm feeling the, the pressure of it, what I find is it's better for me just to run to it as fast as I can. Um, Rory Vaden in his book, um, uh, Take the Stairs, talks about the difference between the cows and the buffaloes. And when the storms come over the mountains, the cows tend to run with the storm and they get pelted by all the stuff that the storm has. But buffalo tend to run to the storm. And when they run to the storm, they don't have as much time underneath the rain and the weather. They just break through when they're on the other side. And, and so it's really a unique thing to see. It, it's very similar to that. You know, when you run to fear, when you just address your fear flat out just for what it is, you begin to realize it's not all that big. It's more about what you're making it into than it is what it is. And I just would say, you know, you have to run to it and run through it. And then what's funny is there's nothing there. There's just another step to take, which is really cool because that's encouraging. And when you get conditioned to do that, fear is an indicator of true north. When fear starts to crank... That's like, that's the direction I need to go. And it will, and it kind of holds true. It really does. So it's not easy to do, but it certainly is something to give you a picture of what it takes to go through what you have to go through. So kind of switching gears a little bit. And whenever you were starting an organization, what did you find, you know, maybe after five or six months or even now, what did you find out that you weren't prepared for? Well, I, you know, I think the thing that we undersell or we underestimate is that you have to have the hard skill of learning how to sell. You know, I, you know, money does not exchange hands till problems get solved, right? So, you know, I think one of the best skills that anybody can learn is the art of selling. And that means I have to have something worth selling. That means I have to build credibility to sell. Uh, and then I have to be able to go and do it because we hate rejection. We fear rejection. But yet the selling component of it is such a it's a different thing for everybody. Different people have there's lots of, you know, things that are out there like Sandler, you know, sales training. There's lots of sales trainings out there that, you know, help people push through fear. And, you know, there's lots of books on it. But when it comes down to it, it's just really it's you and. And the person that you want to sell to and you want to hope that whatever it is that you want to sell them has value to them in such a way. And you present it to them in such a way that they want to buy it. That's the, I think that's the primary thing. If you can't sell, you're not going to be in business very long. Because you have to do, you have to sell. You have money has to exchange hands. What, what have you found that helped, like has helped you improve your ability to sell? Wow. I think... When you're really good, there's this thing, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but there's a thing called Timmons Law. And Timmons Law states, when I know your problem better than you, you know, then you can state your problem. So if I can say it better than you can, you will always give me the power to solve it. 
So it's my ability to understand what your pain is and knowing that whatever I have is the solution to that pain. If what I have is the solution to that pain, then, wow, I'm, I'm going to give that to you. And then I have to find a way to be able to transition that conversation from saying, hey, you know what, I have something here that I think can really help you with this pain, but here's what, it, you know, here's what it's going to cost. And you have to be confident enough to give that to them so they feel like it's worth it. You know what I mean? You have to be able to say, this is what this is going to do. And, and we have to understand something, you know, in terms of anybody in business is if, if they don't buy what you sell, you can't take it personally. But also you have to look at it through the lens of they don't get you. Because anybody can go maybe buy a solution to that problem someplace if they go look. If you just point out the problem, they can go on Google and go try to find something that can fix whatever that problem is. But they don't get you. So there's got to, there, the way that you share, the way you talk about it, when you passionately explain what it is that you're about, what you care about, and why you do it the way you do it, that's what said. I call that differential advantage. And when you explain what that differential advantage is, that you bring to the table because you're attached to that, now the value doubles. Because it's not just something I got, now i got to figure it out. Now it's something I get you to and you help me figure it out. And I think that's a big part of the win of learning how to sell. But it takes time. It's hard. You know, I, I had a coach that helped me do this and I had programs that I was selling for peanuts. And all of a sudden one day he goes, I want you to 10x that. And you have one week to do it. And you know what's funny? I about felt I about vomited. I think you know when I'm telling this guy, I go I mean, I give him the number, and he did, and the guy didn't even blink and said, "Okay, who do I need to check out to?" And I remember, and I was, ne- and I was like, the whole thing, the whole game changed, because I just charged ten times something, one guy, and there they got other eight other people who bought what I sold the same thing to, ten times less, they bought it for. And I'm going, and this guy valued it at that level. And if he valued it at that level, then I just have to be making sure that whoever I sell to is qualified enough to be able to pay for it. And I have to focus who I sell it to based on that. So that's kind of where that goes to. And I think so often with young businesses, we just want to sell. Well, then we hurt ourselves because I sell it for a lower price than it should be because I need to get the sale because I want money. But it's not enough money to run the business. And I'm spending all my time servicing that. And it's not paying the bills. So now I have no time to sell because I'm trying to keep up with everything I just sold for not even the tenth of the price of what it's worth. So knowing what your value is of what it is that you're selling is important and then being able to sell it, that minimum viable product. Yeah, and understanding who your customer is because sometimes you can have a bad sale because you sell it for ten less times than you need to charge it for. Well, yeah, and you can understand something. The guy who bought it for ten times expects the same thing that the guy who bought it for one times the price. So so he's expecting a high level of my return to be with that. Well, guess what? The guy who bought it for not even close to that expects the same thing. So I'm committed to both. Wow, then I better know my customer. Because if all my customers are qualified to buy it, and that's the expectation, I'd rather have two of them than 20 of those. So that dwarfs that. So just it's something you have to think about. But we get trapped. It's one of the, when I work in the fledgling, when I go into fledgling businesses that are like that, I, I look at their inventory and look at all the inventory they have and what they're pricing at. And chances are they got too much inventory and they're like slashing prices because they got to move it because they want that inventory out there because they don't have the cash. 
and it's that's because of death. That is the ultimate invisible of the dark thing flying in the door. That's like, you know, gonna put you out of business, man. You gotta have Jack. If you don't have the Jack, man, you you're doing business. Cash is king. So, for all you guys, don't buy nine thousand of the widgets, man. You know, build it. Because that's what happens, dude. The dudes buy all this stuff. They stick it in boxes. I've gone in there. You know, and they go, wow, this is good. You know, do you have any other inventory? Yeah, let me take you over there. And it's a stinking warehouse fault. And I go, what were your sales last month? And they couldn't even sell what they had sitting in their showroom. So, like, and they have, like, 90 times worth that. And I said, how much money did you spend on that? And it's, like, six figures. And they go, but we don't have any cash. We can't pay payroll. <laughs> I just want to scream. It's like, wow, man. So what do we have to do? We have to, we have to liquidate some of this. And that's where it gets tough. That's when hard, That's when tears are shed. So starting business again, it's, but no, is that a good fail? At this stage, it, in this case, it was a good fail because we liquidated some of that. But we also did joint ventures with other people who sold that. And we distributed that through when they got down payments and they started having other people sell their stuff. So it was how we diversified it and we got it out there. So there's solutions, but sometimes when you're so stuck, you couldn't see past his, his, you know, his own eye, you know, his eye, you just couldn't see past his face, you know, to, to see what to do and have another set of eyes just kind of helps figure that out. So, yeah, so that's a long story short. That's a long way around the whole thing, but you got to be able to sell and you have to have a good viable minimum product. Okay. So what has surprised you most like about starting a business? What has surprised me the most? You know, I, 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 I guess I've never really been surprised by a whole, a whole lot because I've just always been a young entrepreneur. I've always kind of tried, you know, when, when I started, I had a basketball scouting service in Detroit. And, you know, you had to fake it you know, a little bit here and there. You know, you had to give the impression that you had, you know, the ability to do certain things. And it was kind of a shell game, you know, in a sense. But then over time, you know, you, you built credibility. And that's what we did. It took years to build the credibility for that. But over time, we had a proprietary system that we developed that was unique, that was different. We had a differential advantage. And our differential advantage was how we, like, statted players. We didn't stack them like everybody else because there was just a whole bunch of that going on that didn't tell anybody a story. So we statted players in a way that was um, by touches, and so we could look at strengths and weaknesses. We could assess players, and we even narrowed our time down where we did it during the NCAA dead period, where the coaches couldn't recruit off campus. So, how? Why would you to get a better snapshot? You know, rather than just points and minutes, they were getting. He touched the ball 16 times on the left side, used his left hand, and scored twice. Okay, you know when you get those kind of numbers, they tell you a story about how that player plays strengths and weaknesses, good game, bad game, where he caught it on the floor, where he dominated, where he didn't dominate, um, those kinds of things. They like that because they're stat geeks. So our, we started picking up big time, and then we didn't have to work all the other things that they were at because they were looking at it anyway. So we were just thought, let's just be really good at that. And so... I guess if I had to be surprised about anything, I guess it would be just the whole concept of 
you know, the power of niche. You know, you you know, we kind of say, well, you have to have a niche. I mean, I tell you what, if you have a niche or you have a difference with being niche, it really you really can't <clears throat> you really can't go. Talk, talk to us a little bit more about the power of niche. Well, you know, there's something with niches that give you the ability to be an expert now. And there's that's where that's powerful. So, you know, when we had our style, our way of doing static things, no one else stabbed that way. We were the ones who were in charge of explaining how to stab that. So it wasn't some guy with his arms folded looking at us saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Because we were the one, it was we invented it. So they were being educated in it, not us. Our level of confidence was way higher. And so when your confidence is higher, then all of a sudden now we have the upper hand. Do you want what we have? We have something that you want because we're different. If you want to talk to everybody else and just get points and minutes, you go right ahead. But if you want to see a story about how your guy matched up against another guy and what his weaknesses were when he played, get this. And we charged for it. So, yeah, that's the power of it. The power comes through confidence. And confidence is king. I mean, it really is. I mean, you you really, when you're confident about what it is that you're doing, um, man, it changes the game a little bit. So, really, like for that power of niche, you became so specific that you were one of the only people who knew what you were talking about. We were. There's no one else doing it. Now, some people, now, we did it so much so that we, we patented it. So, and we spent a lot of money to patent it. Like, we couldn't believe how much money that cost. But we wanted something that was proprietary. Someone turned us on to this idea that, you know, there's a, such a thing called intellectual property. And when they said, hey, this, you can have this intellectual property, and people would pay you to do that, which is what the business does now. The business doesn't even do the scouting anymore. It, it receives people, dollars from people who have franchised it, and uh, they use it for whatever their organization is. So, you know, yeah, it's, but it is. It just gives you an upper hand, a big upper hand. Okay, so, Kevin, the last question we have for you is if you could go back to yourself four years ago, like when you were just starting your business, what advice would you give yourself? That's a really good question. Um, huh. I don't know if I would do anything different. Um, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of anything that's worth doing is doing it for the right reasons, and it, it can't be all about making money um, because it just takes so much of your soul. I think you know to put into things. You know, there, there are late days, early mornings, you know, there's fear and loneliness, you know, that comes through that, you know, there's highs and there's lows, uh, that go, and, and when you kind of, you know, you kind of get into that, you learn things about yourself, you learn things about, you know, your faith in God, you learn things about who you are in the deepest parts of you, even the parts you don't like, and, and, I don't know if I would say I'd do anything different because, you know, because of that, because I've learned so much about me. I don't, I think that you have to go through it. You just have to. There's no workarounds um, and there's no magic bullet. There really isn't. It sucks. And you have to really get after it and you've got to hustle. And if you don't hustle, um, you, 
might as well just go work at Mickey D's because that's kind of how that's where I, and I don't, I don't, I don't want that. So I guess that, I mean, it's a great question. You know, I mean, you can say I would read more, I would do other things, but at the end of the day, I mean, um, the worst that anything is ever going to be is a story to tell. And I'm fortunate that the story I'm telling right now is a good one, but there's no guarantee it's going to stay that. And so, and it's like that with anybody in business. I don't care how many years they've been in it because we've seen over the years, just, you know, just read the book, How the Mighty Fall or, you know, by Jim Collins or some of his other books. You will see, you know, when you get some level of thinking you got it going on, it's the beginning of the end. And uh, we get comfortable and we lose sight of what's important. And there's lots of things you can lose in the course of it. So I would say for anybody out there starting a business, I mean, it's, you know, work boots and work gloves, you know, put your, you know, head down and, and you can get after it. And one step closer to failure every day, is one step closer to success. Well, thanks for spending some time with us, Kevin. If people want to get in contact with you or learn more, how can they do that? Uh, you can email me at invisibleinsights at gmail. Um, that's a good way to reach me if you got questions or anything. Um, I'm glad to help out. And I get a lot of inquiries and uh, I can't have coffee with everyone. I'm kind of in that stage of learning to say no a little bit more right now. But uh, but I would definitely take calls, you know, and board emails. That's fine. And, you know, we could chat about anything, you know, as far as that goes. Great. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. As Kevin said in the interview, if you want to reach out to him, you can email him at invisibleinsights at gmail.com or you can find out more info about him at invisibleinsights.com. On our next episode, we are going to be talking about the importance of learning to say no. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're at it, leave a rating and write a review of our podcast on iTunes. It's the best way for us to expand this conversation so that we can continue to learn from one another. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing. Keep growing.